This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen and amen. Let's go to our foundational scripture. And I'm thinking that this is going to be one of our last teachings on this particular subject. Uh, but maybe, maybe not. We're just gonna, we're just gonna just sit that right there. If you're in Hebrews chapter 11, I want to remind you what we have been ministering on and what we have been talking about. And we are in our final lesson, hopefully, and we are been identifying if we are prepared. So, all of the things for these last six series, I mean, six series of teachings that we've taught, you should have been asking yourself every one of those questions to see if you're truly prepared. And in Hebrews 11, which has been our theme scripture, we've been looking at Noah. And this has been guiding us throughout this teaching and preparing us for the next move of God. And we learned some things about, about Noah in that. Let's read Hebrews 11, verse 7. It says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So we learned how Noah was prepared and ready and ready in advance and making things happen. You know, you got to be ready in, in advance. You know what? If you you got to make a plan and then you got to execute that plan. That's being ready. Amen. You have to be ready to be used by God. You know what? If, if you ever plan on dealing with the adversities of life, and you got plenty of them right now. And you, if you plan on finding out how God is doing, how I'm gonna walk in in a, a planned family, a, a, a purposeful family, I'm going to have to prepare in advance. And God is giving you everything you need to prepare. Amen. And then we said that we wanted to find out if we were ready for the restoration process and were we ready to uh, restore the breaches in our homes and our families and our lives. Are we ready? With all the questions that have been asked, all of the things that God has laid out, you can ask yourself that. At the end of this teaching, you should ask yourself, am I really prepared? And then you'll understand why preparation is not so quick. You know, we everybody want preparation, let's just do it, let's go. But it's not so quick, and it's for a reason, because preparation takes time. The intent of this teaching is to keep us focused. That's the main thing. We just want to stay focused. Throughout the pandemic, throughout anything that's going on in our lives, we must stay focused. Amen? And we must be focused on the things that we have done, we're doing, and that we have to do. We must stay focused. And then we need to also... Uh, the purpose of this teaching is to maximize this dispensation that God has placed us in. We need to make good every opportunity. We need to do all that God is saying we need to do at this time. Let me tell you, there's only a window of time 
And people think they got, I mean, people doing everything else but what God told them to do, using up and wasting up time, enjoying things in the flesh, and the spirit is still just just starvation. And we're going to see how, if our spirits is starving when we get to the new information. The goal of this teaching is to make sure that we're prepared for what comes next. There's always the next church, always the next. We need to always be prepared spiritually, naturally, financially, because there's always going to be a next. And then we started in our first teaching, and we began to ask the question, am I awake? See, those are the questions you've got to ask yourself. You have got to ask yourself, am I awake? And then we, we found out that it is essential that in this time, in this time of preparation, that we be awake. It's essential that we awake, to, when we awake, we are aware of the times. Are you aware of the times? Do you even know what times that you're in? Do you know the spiritual climate? If you don't, then you are not awake. Your eyes may be open, but you are not awake. We need to be uh, aware of an alert of the temptation. Temptation is going to always be. I don't care how much you love the Lord. I don't care. Temptation is always going to be. Are you alert for, to temptation? And then are you alert and are you ready to respond to the instructions and the corrections of God? Because He's going to have those. Are you, are you ready to respond to the chastisement of the Lord? Are you ready to just rebel back and you ready not to receive? No, you, then you're not prepared and you're not preparing to be, you're not preparing in advance because all of these things are going to happen. Are you following me? Listen, and, and, and the next one that we asked, we said, we asked the question, is your heart ready? And I told you, you know, many a times you can have your heart ready and still not be, be ready. Amen. You can, I mean, it doesn't mean that your heart is ready because you just say a thing. Because if you can't do it, some, and, and you know, and, and one thing that believers are big on is talking a good talk. They're good at that. But you, if your heart is in it, you can desire something, doesn't mean your heart's ready for it. Your heart is ready, we said, when you're strong and courageous. And when you're strong and courageous, you, you will do the will of God. And you get strong and courageous when you obtain knowledge. And that's why you're in a teaching ministry, so that you can obtain knowledge and be strong and courageous when different things come upon you. And they will, because you live in this life. Amen. Then we asked the question, are you prepared to be committed? And we found out what committed meant. We said you have to give your word as security for your actions. If you say you're going to do it, can God depend on it? Can God depend on you doing what you said you were going to do? Are you faithful to an assignment that he will assign you to? God, I want to be used. If he assigned you to an assignment, or can you be faithful? Because with that, faith, because with that assignment, it's going to always come a challenge. See, everybody wants things easy, but that's just not the way it works on this side. It's just not the way it works in the world. Amen. And then we said commitment is take on the assignment and be faithful. And commitment is to be in prison. And that means that whatever you have made a commitment to, you are imprisoned to. You are imprisoned to that, to make it happen, to do it. Amen. And then we said... That also, when you have faith, you got to believe that He is. Most of us just believe that He exists. And sometimes pain will make you just believe that He exists, but He is. 
and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and he's a rewarder of those that acknowledge that he is, and he's everything that he says. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's, he's all that. He's I am whatever you need. The great I am, I am whatever you need. And then we said, Do, are you prepared to set things in order? And we had to look at our lives and we were kind of piggybacking off of what God was already teaching us in family life and the, the natural things. And God said, you know what, you're going to have to set some things in order. He was telling us like he told Hezekiah, look, get your, get your, get, straighten some things out. Basically, straighten some things out. And everybody, we need to, everybody, you, you, let me tell you, there's no, you're not exempt. You need to straighten some things out. Amen. In order for you to be prepared, amen. In order for you to establish your house, in order for you to restore the breaches in your family, all of those things you have to do. I mean, we talked about so many different things, and we have dealt with so many different things. Now it's time for us to move to that place where we're saying, you know what, God, all of these things I need to make application. When are we going to just make application? When are we going to have to stop teaching this and go on to something else? Because everybody is walking. Let me tell you, everybody in the ministry can walk as one in these things. We can come on one accord and walk. Then we ask the question, are you prepared for the challenge? The challenge is never the thing that's, that, that's actually going on. It's always, everybody say always, what is the challenge is going to be? Your focus. That's all the challenge is going to be. Is why the, because we always put our eyes on the actual thing that we say, oh, no, that, that's trying to get me distracted. No, we need to put our see, it just got you all focused. Thus, your whole challenge is staying focused at all times. Amen. And understand this. Preparation is not going to come without a challenge. Know that. And then we said that uh, if you want to plan, um, establish a plan for your life, spiritually, naturally, financially, all of those are going to come with a challenge. So have you asked yourself, are you ready for the challenge? And then I told you you're prepared for the challenge when you can stay focused on the original instruction. What did God say? That's what you have to go back and get every time because I'm telling you when situations come up, you forget what God said because the situation seems big and you forget. You forget who you are. You forget you're a child of the king. You forget all of that. So you have to go back to the real. What did God say? I got to go back to that because I remember now God, yes, yes, I can remember God said. I mean, if we go back to 2018, September 1st, 2018, from that point on, do you remember what God said to you? He's like, oh, what is 2020, See, I'm not talking about remembering cliches or remembering, you know, uh, uh, something like just, just remembering uh, we're wall builders, just remembering that phrase. It's more of what God said. That's what you have to remember. And then it takes it deeper in those phrases or those things. Then it will make you understand it better. Amen. And then we, when we're focused, we, are, we, we said we are always be fully persuaded. We're always persuaded when we're focused. Well, I'm prepared for the challenge when I stay focused through hardship. Let me tell you, you're going to have hardships. 
And the older you get, the harder it's going to get. But let me tell you, but whether there's hardships or whatever comes up, just know God is with you. God's with you. These things are just coming just for just, just for just living, just naturally on this earth. So are you prepared for the hardship? Amen. And then we said that are you, pre- are you prepared for the challenge when you can stay focused while facing opposition? Mm. And we found out what opposition is. It's the opposite. And let me tell you, know this. You're going to have or always have oppositions too. You, you're not going to always have people. You're going to always have people that are not on your side. That's going to go opposite of what you do. But God will always send people with favor and that's there for you if you stay focused. See, we, we take our focus off of that and we put it on the opposition instead of just staying focused on God's word. And so we, can, we don't even see help when it comes. But God will always send something, no matter what the opposition is, God will send something. So you don't have to fall apart when the opposition comes and get all caught up in the opposition. You stay focused and remember the original instructions. Remember what God said. Amen? Now, if you got all of that, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, just a page over. Amen? You can subtitle this one, if you will. And we're asking the, I'm going to say we're going to ask this as the final question. But if I, you know, I have the right to come back next week if I wanted to with something else. But God has a right to ask this question. Ask yourself, am I prepared to establish the will of God? Are you? Are you, you ask yourself, am I really prepared to establish the will of God? Am I ready to establish the will of God for my life, for my house? Am I ready to establish it for my family? Listen, you establish the will of God always through obedience. There's no other way to establish the will of God but through obedience. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to make this statement here, and it's a statement that, you know, if you grew up in my dispensation or my time, uh, this might ring true to you. Listen, in order to be established and do the will of God, you must be serious. I must be serious. Please write that down, because people can get out of being serious so quick. If I'm going to make, um, if I'm going to um, establish the will of God, I must be serious. And that's going to take us over all the earlier lessons that we taught. Because listen to me, all of the other lessons in this series that we taught will mean nothing to you if you're not this. If you're not serious. It will just be good messages. All of the earlier messages won't even matter if you're not serious. See, you can't be just serious when you're in trouble. You got to be serious all the time when it comes to the will of God. Are you with me? So if I'm not really serious about establishing my home, my life, my family, listen... You'll know that you're serious in establishing the will of God when you start 
continue and finish. Then you'll know. I'm, 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 I'm established. I'm, I'm, I'm getting myself together. I'll say it again. You'll know and be established in the will of God when you, listen, listen to me closely because this is very important. When you start, continue, and finish. <laughs> and these are going to make about three points this morning and for the rest of the time. I'm serious point number one. When I have started to do what God said. I'm serious when I have started to do what God said. Church, I'm not serious. You're not serious until you get started. Did you hear me? Now you can talk that talk all you want and you're only impressing you. But you're not going to do anything for God. You're not serious about anything for God until you get started. Are you with me? I'll say it again. You're not serious until you get started. You know, I ask like, I, just an example. Sometimes I'll go in there and I'll, you know, I'll ask Layla or Layla and Isaiah, you, you all want to do a certain thing? It may be something they want to do. Yeah. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We want to do it. We want to do it. I said, okay. I said, well, when, you know, when I, I'm going to go get dressed, when you're ready to do it, just go on and get dressed. You all put your clothes on and, and we'll go. And then I'll come back two hours later and they laying on the bed and they still in their pajamas and everything. And you know what, the, what I said? I said, I thought you all wanted to do what I had to do. You're not serious. Some of us have always done that with our children because you do it. I mean, you want to go to the store with me? Come on, I'll go to the store. I'm going to buy something. Okay, okay. And then you go and get yourself dressed. You go back to them and they still, you don't have no shoes. You're not serious. You don't want to go. Yes, I do. No, if you were serious, when I said that we were going, you would have got your shoes on. Because you would have let me know that's what I wanted to do. Listen to me closely. You're not serious until you get started. See, see, everything that I said meant nothing until you, they start doing it. Until they got up and start putting on their shoes. Get started. Then I know you're serious. Have you ever told someone about a job? And you'll be like, oh yeah, well just send me your application or send it, email it to me and everything. And all of a sudden you wait a day or two and they still haven't sent it. What do you say? They're not serious. Why? Because they don't get started. you be like, uh. And you're thinking to yourself, even if they send it, I ain't putting it in because they ain't serious about nothing. I told them that three days ago and they act like they really wanted a job and they haven't sent anything in. Why? Because they never got started. You're not serious until you get started. Talking about it is nothing. Are you with me? And you know what? God is the same way. Like, just, just, well, I'm the same way like God. 
If you're not getting started doing what God asks you to do, let me tell you what God's going to do. God's going to say, you're not serious. Oh, I've seen him say it many times to many people. People that put him on hold, he was saying, you're not serious. If you're not getting started doing what God asks you to do, you're not serious. Listen, you can have taken all the notes that you wanted, like we do. All these for the last six weeks that we've been teaching this particular subject, where you've written everything down. You can pray over it every day. But if you don't get started, you're not serious. I don't care how neat your notes are. I don't care how many notes you have. I don't care what you do. I don't care how good you look. If you don't get started, you're not serious. Now, 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 listen. Don't tell. This is not me. This is God telling you today. You're, I, I'm serious. God said you're not. I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna get in better shape. I'm this year. I'm gonna get in shape. Okay, what have you done to do it? Oh well, I I I I opened some apps and you know I got some stuff ready and I'm gonna do it. You're not serious. You're not serious. Because why? Just open apps and buying apps for it and 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 buying workout clothes for it. That doesn't do anything. It's not till you get in there and start doing it that you have now got. Now you're serious about it. You're not serious as long as you keep talking about it. As long as you keep saying what you're going to do, you're not serious. Are you with me? Now here in Hebrews 12, verse 1, and Hebrews 12 is a continuation of Hebrews 11, and where I, you know, where I talked about Job, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, and all of these great men and women of faith. So watch this in 12, verse 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and it is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen. What did all of those listen? What did all of those cloud of witnesses have in com- common? They got started. Every one of them. That's what they had in common. They started what God asked them to do. And they continued with what God asked them to do and they finished what God asked them to do. I'll say it again. I want you to get it. What do all of them have in common? See, we like to read it and just read it like faith. You, we want to get things and stuff out of it. But these people did what they did because they got started doing what God asked them to do. They continued to do what God asked them to do. And they finished what God asked them to do. In other words, they were serious about doing what God said. Ask yourself. Church, I'm serious letter A. When I have obeyed the first instructions 
or the original instruction. Then I'm serious. When, listen, not when I've read it, not when I keep repeating it, when I've obeyed it. You have to obey it. Then you're serious. So I last went the other week when we were teaching about staying focused and getting back to the original instructions. But I'm not serious until I have obeyed the first instructions. Listen, if you haven't listen, if you haven't done the first thing yet, you are not really serious. The first thing God told you. <laughs> you are not serious. I mean, the first thing that God spoke to you in your heart, if you haven't done it, you are not serious. Yeah. I'm going to do it, though. You're not serious. God is doing like I would do. God will say, Come back to me when you're serious. That's what I tell my grandchildren. Come back to me when you're serious. No, madam, I'm serious. No, no. Come back when you're serious. See, you, you're not serious. You're playing games. You're playing around. And God is telling you today the same thing. Come back when you're serious. So you can say how much God is talking to you and you can do all that. But if you ain't done nothing, God is busy telling you, come back when you're serious. Because you haven't obeyed the first instructions. <laughs> I love God for that. And if God has spoken something in your heart, why are you delaying doing what He said? Why? Why? Because I'm not serious. I just like to hear and say what God said, but I don't want to actually do it. The only reason why you would delay. What God told you to do is because you're not serious. That's the only reason why you delay it. Because if you were serious, you would. You're not serious about it. You know what? Because if I'm serious, I'm going to obey. When you're serious, you're going to obey. And you're serious when you have obeyed the first instructions. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Write it down. The first instruction or the original instruction is preparation for everything else. That's why you can't, you can't, you're trying to fill your way through. That's why you don't know where to go. Because all, everything else is hinged on the first instructions. <laughs> the first instruction. It's preparation for everything else. Go back to the example I gave you. If you want to go with me, yes, I want to go, then go and get dressed. That's instructions. Why? Because the first instructions, preparation for everything else. That means when you obey that, then you can get in the car and then you can go. But when you don't, you can't get in the car and you can't go. Same thing with the Word of God. You can't go. You can't do anything else. It's nothing else. Now, you can do some other things that you can call it God. But God is busy telling you, come back when you're serious. 
because you haven't obeyed. Everything that I want you to do is banking on you obeying the first instructions. People are always saying what God is showing them and telling them, and they haven't done the first instructions. How do you know? No. Oh, we got, we, we, church, we got to get this. Oh, nothing else is going to happen unless the first is obeyed. The first instructions, listen, church, the first instruction, God is always, everybody say always, giving us an obedient instruction. That's the first one. It's going to always be an obedient one. Because, see, that's where it all lies. He's going to give us obedient instructions designed to be preparation for everything else. So he sticks it out there and he says, okay, let me give you some instruction that requires obedience. Because everything else is going to hinge on that. Some of you could say, God's been waiting for years. Yeah. Because he can't, it's hinged on that first. God doesn't change. It's hinged on that first thing. You know why? The first one is obedience instruction. Because the first instruction strips away the baggage. It strips away the baggage. And that's why he said in verse 1, because if you, um, if you, he said, we're, we're, all the weights and the sin that so easily beset us. He said, first I gotta give you an obedient instruction to strip away the baggage. If you look at these great men and women in Hebrews 11 and stop trying to use it to get money, to get houses, cars, and spouses, and all of those things, and look at them as people who obeyed the will of God, you get something out of this scripture. All of them, their first instruction was that they had to strip themselves of things that was going to keep them from doing what God said. That's his first instruction. He's going to lay it out there for you to strip you of that thing that's going to hinder you from everything else. He's going to lay it out there for you to get rid of whatever weight it is and whatever sin it is. First, the first instruction is always a stripping away. First, that's a, see, that's, 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 that's something you ought to put in your arsenal. Because then you'll know how to react to different things. The first instruction is going to always be a stripping away. It has to be. It's like enlisting in the military. The first instruction is always... Who's been in the military in here? The first instruction is always a stripping away, right? It's like, okay, we're going to cut that hair. We want you to lose a little weight. We want you to get out those civilian clothes. We want to put you in that. It strips you away from one thing so you can be ready. And what is the military? They're not doing that just to be funny. They're doing them, preparing them for something else that they're going to do. But the first thing is the stripping away. Got to get that off. 
And then they strip you out of those civilian clothes and say, okay, it's time to get fitted for military clothes. Because now you got something that's coming. Something you've got to do. Those first instructions are preparatory. They're preparing you for something. Get this. They're preparatory, but they also strip. They also strip away. It's a must. And some of you, that's why you can't do anything. You don't, you're holding on to that weight that God's been trying to strip you from, and you can't do nothing for God but walk around and talk about how good He is. Some of you are going to go to heaven and never do nothing for God because you will not get rid of the weight or the sin. You won't do the original instructions. You find a way to get around that. And for us as believers, God, first God's instruction, God's instruction is going to always, first, First, God's instruction is first. I guarantee you, if you go back to it, you'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. Go back to it. Whatever instruction He gave you, go back to it. I guarantee you, it was to get some weight or some sin off of you. To strip you of it. And you didn't want to get rid of it. And you saying, God... Now, you might say, I didn't say that. You told God, no way, God. No way. I can't do that. So you're not prepared to be used by Him. You want to be used, but you're not prepared to be used by Him. He wants to strip you away from that weight or that sin out of your life because why? It's going to hold you back. It's going to hold you down. It's going to prevent you from reaching the goal that God has for you. It will do it. And you're not serious. Until you're ready to put the baggage down, you're not serious. I don't care. God said, let them say it all they want. They're not serious. Listen, I'm serious, let it be. When I'm making an investment, when I'm making an investment, I noticed that he said, running the race that is set before us. To run means to exert your own effort or your own strength to obtain a goal or to overcome a challenge or an adversary. I'll say it again. To run means to exert your own effort or your own strength to obtain a goal or overcome a challenge or an adversity or the adversary. Same difference. In other words, nobody can run for you but you. Stop trying to get people to run your race. They can't. Nobody can run for you. Your mother can't run for you. Your father can't run for you. I don't care if they're ministers. Let me tell you, you can get behind that cloak all you want to, but it's not going to do you any good. You have to run your own race. Nobody can run it for you. And isn't it true for you when you come across people that, you know, that, that's not willing to put their own strength in their own life, but they want you to keep putting stuff in their lives? They like, do everything for me, and then let me just sit on everything, and let me do it. Can you do this? Can you do that? Not, real, not willing to do anything for themselves. 
It's easy for a person to come to you and ask you for money. Come. It's easy for you for people to come to you and ask you to help them to do something. They come and ask you, and if you know something, listen. They'll ask you, do you know something that will help me in this? Do you know something that will help me in that? They'll come to you for all of those things. And they want you to give it to them. They want you to do it. They want you to give them the answers to all of those things. Sometimes you get people like that in your life. And then after a while, you start thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. I'm doing everything. Wait a minute. Hold up. And they ain't doing nothing. I'm making everything easy for them. And so they get used to it. That's when that entitlement comes. Like, you're supposed to do that. I'm like, no. But you'll find people like that. You'll begin to say, you know what, I'm the only one working on this thing. And it's his life. It's her life. And I'm working, doing all of this. And they not even... I remember pastor would always say different deals that people would have financially. They want to talk to him and stuff. And then he would sit down and talk to them about situations in their life and all the different stuff that they were doing that was... He said, now, if you don't care about your own children, you want me to care about them, but you won't even care about them. And see, that's what people want to do. They're like, care about my life and care about everything I'm doing. Make sure I have. But I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to bask in it. Run my race for me. <laughs> Listen. That's, their, their life is not your life. I don't care who they are. Their life is not your life. See, there's too many people. They want somebody else to run their race. you got to let them run their own race. doesn't have anything to do with your love. Actually, that is love. And after you've moved all the obstacles and you laid all the paths out for me, you know, made everything easy and comfortable... And then they just want to come in and just occupy the space that you've created. They've done nothing. They're like, oh, they made, made this nice. And then they want to occupy the space. But the key to life is that you have to make an investment. Please listen to me. The key to life is you have to make an investment. You just can't sit back and let people invest in your life you have to make investment in your life as well. What are you doing? What are your investments that you're making to obtain the will of God? See, I ain't talking about money and, and different stuff. I'm talking about what are you doing to obtain the will of God for your life? What investments are you putting in your own life to obtain the will of God? Well, thank you, Lord. I'll say that. Let me say this so you know. Listening, taking notes, listening to these messages, writing all the notes down, getting them all that, that is not you making an investment in your life. Ooh. You'd like, well, wait, I was just thinking. I'm, you know, I'm digging out my notes and I make sure I stream every time. I'm invested in my life. No, 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 no. Let's, let's clear that up for you. Taking notes. 
on your iPad or where you're writing it down, whether you're streaming, whether you're doing it, that is not you making an investment in your life. This what I'm teaching, that's my investment into your life. That's not yours. Everything that your pastor taught you, that was his investment into your life. It was not your investment. This is not your investment. See, some people think that. They think, well, I'm hearing the Word. I'm investing stuff in my life. No, no, no. The person that's teaching you the Word is making an investment. This is when your investment comes in. What happens when you close that laptop, you put down that ink pen, you turn that tablet out, and you get up and do something with the messages. Now you are making an investment in your life. Not until you do that. Because, see, you need to understand that these messages... Whether Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, whatever we're teaching, these messages does do not. Everybody say do not. They do not provide strength and the necessary change that you need in your life. The message doesn't do that. Listen, listen. The message give you the tools to run the race. These are just tools. See, that's what I say. Go back to the original stuff. Remember, God gave us tools at the beginning. In 2018, He was giving us tools. You know, we're thinking it's some little fancy deal. But that's all a message is. A message on its own is not going to give you the strength and the courage to do what you need to do. It's going to be you getting up and doing something that the strength in the, all of those, the effort necessary for life is going to come. Not just you hearing the word. If this message gives you the tools for you to run your race. And I want you to know you're not serious until you're running for yourself. As long as someone else is running for you, you are not serious. Now watch this. I'm serious when let us see. When I'm focused on my course, are you focused on your course? The scripture says, let us run the race that's set before us. In other words, i got to stop looking at everybody else's race and run my own race. Listen, everybody's course has obstacles. Whether you see it or not, everybody's course have obstacles. Why? Because of the sin of Adam. You're going to have obstacles. We were all born. Everybody is born with an obstacle course. Nobody's exempt. Now, different people have different obstacles. So I have to stop looking at everybody else's obstacles or what I think, because you don't even know what you have here, or what I think everybody else's obstacles are. Oh, I wonder what, oh yeah, I can see what they're going through. Or what I think everybody else has to overcome or not overcome. Why are you sitting there worried about those things? And you have your own obstacle course. Because everybody have one. 
And some people will bring you their course. Their whole obstacle course. And you got your own obstacle course. You know, this, this letter C saying focus on your course, uh, it's a point that have come out of my personal life. A personal experience. I remember early in ministry, young in ministry, and I remember I used to always think to myself, yeah, I would, I, I would, I, I would feel like a disadvantage to people that had fathers. And I was like, wow, you know, I'd hear them say something about their father, their dad, their dear, because I didn't have a father, so I felt like I was at a disadvantage. And I would think to myself, you know, why do I have to? Why do I have to be in this place? You know, why don't I have a father? And 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 you know, they, they just seem like everything's okay with them. But I'm struggling because I I, I wish I, I they talk about their dad, they talk about their father. I don't have that, and I felt like I was at a disadvantage. I talked to my husband about. It. I felt like I was at a disadvantage, but then God showed me just over the years. In dealing with people. He showed me other people's disadvantages. Just for me to learn something. Not to look at and watch, but to learn something. He said, everybody has. Everybody has an obstacle. And then I found out in just getting into people's lives and knowing them everything. They had obstacles that I didn't have. And I had, okay, they had a father. And I didn't have, they had family problems. I didn't. Or they didn't have money, and maybe I did. They had different things because everybody have a different obstacle course. Some of them were smart, and you were smarter than them. You were like, oh, well, they, they, you know, they were having family problems, and they had this going on in their life, and that. Oh, everybody has something. While I was thinking I was at a disadvantage because I just didn't have a father. And then God showed me everybody. This just may not be the same. But it's nevertheless, it's still an obstacle. They have to go through challenges. Financial challenges. And you just want a, a dad. And they're thinking, I got one of those, but I have financial problems. I have this problem, that problem. So God showed me you need to take your mind off of what their race is as he showed me. And they need to take their mind off of what your race is. And understand that you have to run the race that is set before you. Because everybody have one. It's an obstacle course. And it's set before you. And it's different. I even ran into people that had addictions. See, that was an obstacle course for them. They had, I mean, mental health problems, different things, and they different. And God said, see, everybody has something. So right now you might be thinking, oh, you know, I got this going on, nobody. No, 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 somebody's, they got their own obstacle course. That's why you look into Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He's just a good God. Take your mind off of those things. Understand how to run your... Let me tell you, the, 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 the course is set before you. Run it. Look to Jesus to often finish up your faith. That's how... Jesus has already taught you how to get started. How to continue. And how to finish. 
See, at some point, you have to stop saying, oh, we got to stop saying this. At some point, you have to stop saying it's easy for pastor. <laughs> because pastor doesn't have to do this or that. Listen, listen. Everybody have obstacles. Everybody. Everybody have challenges. And I want you to know, whatever obstacle that you think is in front of you, listen, whatever obstacle that you think that is in front of you, it is no bigger than whatever obstacle that I might have in front of me. Because whatever what because it's set before me. Mine, and I'm going to think of it just as big as yours. And at some point, listen, at some point, you got to get serious. You got to get serious. Because here's the thing. Complaining about your obstacle course is not going to change it. Did you hear me? It's complaining about your course is not going to change it. If you're serious, you're going to stop complaining and focus on what you have to do. Because I'm not going to complain about this no more. I'm going to focus on what I have to do. Complaining is not going to get it. Now go with me, if you will, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. A few pages back. I mean forward. Colossians chapter 1. And note this as point number 2. I'm serious when I continue in what God said. Remember, we got to continue. You got to start, you got to continue, and you got to finish. I am serious when I continue in what God said. Listen, most people start. Listen to me. More people start than continue. It is what it is. Think about the number of people that God has spoken in their, to their hearts to join this church. Think about the people that consistently attend church, even virtually. Now, see, many people start. More people start than continue. And there's always a lot more people start than continue. Always. But listen to me. Think about how many people make New Year resolutions. Everybody starts. Even if you go to a gym, they said in January they flourish. By the middle of February, it goes all the way back down. Because many people start. It's the continuing. They can't do it. People make resolutions all the time. But the number of people who start pales in comparison to the ones that continue. They won't. People are better at just stating that they're going to continue. See, it's a verbal thing. People are good at that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to really do that. And continue, I don't have no big definition for it. Continue just means to stay with it. That's all it means. Stay with it. 
When you are continuing, you are staying with it. To continue means to remain or to persist. Just continuing. Continue means to not quit. You have to stay with things until quitting is not an option. Now that's what God's people miss it all the time. You got to stay with things until quitting is not an option. Instead of, instead of spending all of your time thinking of a way to quit or trying to quit or quitting, you ought to spend your time thinking to yourself and making it not an option to quit. Like, you know what? I can't quit. I can't quit. Now look at Colossians uh, chapter 1. Uh, verse 21. The earlier part of Colossians, Paul is writing to the church, encouraging them, letting them know that they are to walk worthy of what God has called them to do. But he's also letting them know that the power that they have with the new life, the power that they have with the new life, because they have a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. He was letting them know, you got power in this new life. Look at verse 21. 1 and 21. It says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached in to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, wherefore, whereof I'm sorry, I Paul am made a minister. Now he's saying you have been made, you've already been made holy and unblameable. He said you've been made that. He said you've been made unreprovable. But now you have to do something. You've been made this. But now you have to do something. You have to continue. The Bible says that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. But there's things you have to continue for him to be faithful to complete it. We have to stay with it. We can't quit. Talking about the will of God. Listen, letter A. I'm serious when I continue in the faith. When I continue to live my life according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have to continue. When I talk about continuing in faith, I'm serious when I walk in what I have been taught. When are you going to walk in what you've been taught? Those things that I have been taught, those things that are sound doctrine, that's what Paul is saying. You need to walk in those sound doctrine that you have. You must continue in those things that you've been taught. That's when you know you're serious. I'm walking in what I've been taught. You are not, you, let me tell you, you're serious when you can continue in the body of Christ. See, you have to continue. You can't be bouncing around. You can't be doing all, can't be all over the place. No, you're not serious. You're, you're religious. 
You're not serious. You got to be rooted and settled, grounded in the faith, in the faith of the gospel. Our faith is what we have been taught. And our faith is in the body of Christ. But if I'm in the body of Christ one week and then the next week I'm out of the body of Christ. And when I'm living right one week and then I'm not living right one week. And then I'm back and forth. When I'm doing that, I'm doing what the Bible said this month. Next month, you're all away from that. You're not doing it. Next month, you're not even with the Bible. When I'm all into one teaching series and then another series come out, I barely hear it. I'm not serious. Oh, I didn't check. I'll check that out later. I didn't, I didn't know that. Nope, you're not serious. You're not serious. You can't be into one and not into the other. You gotta be into, you gotta continue. Listen, I'm not serious until I'm willing to continue in my faith. You got to, in the faith of God, I got to continue. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what obstacle come my way, no matter what the challenge is, and all of that will happen. But I'm staying with my faith. I'm continuing in it. Listen, I'm serious, letter B, when I'm grounded and settled. In other words, he said, if you continue in faith, grounded and settled. See, I'm serious when I'm laying a foundation based around my faith. That's how you know you're serious. When you're starting to lay a foundation. You know, one of the big differences for us as believers one of the big differences between a successful life and an unsuccessful life in general, one thing that we should make in our life to show that we're distinctively different from those of the world. We have to have something in our life to show that we're distinctively different. That we just don't make decisions and make choices and do stuff like the world do it. And, you know, whatever they're coming up to with this day and I'm going to jump on that. And then something else the next day, you know. We don't do that. That shows a distinct difference. We don't just do things off the top of our heads. The, di the difference is... The world does all that. Make decisions, make choices, just off the top of the head, just doing things. This is what the believer do. We do things systematically. That's what God wants. We have to. We have to have a systematic nature in our life that shows that we're different. And that systematic nature in our life, listen, should be where we're hearing God's Word. Where we are hearing what's being taught and step by step, day by day, I'm getting more and more settled and grounded. Because I'm hearing it. And I'm getting deeper and deeper grounded, settled and established. You're laying the foundation of your life then. Each day, each month, each year, you should be working on something. 
See, we're, we're, we're busy trying to work on relationships and we're busy trying to get married. We're busy trying to uh, fall in love. We're busy trying to buy houses, cars, and we're, we're busy trying to do everything else but this. See, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. That's just life. But if this is not in place first, everybody say first. I must lay the foundation each day, each month, each year. You know, one thing that every member of the church, you will be challenged to do in this dispensation of time, and that is that we still have to build our lives around faith, and that's going to be a challenge. Because so much, so many things are out there, and so many things are still coming, and we still got, no matter what comes, we still got to build our lives around our faith, the faith. We have to stay there. And some of you, you have a false sense of what your life being built around your faith is. Some of your life was built around your faith in coming to this building. So you see, oh, you know, and when I get back to the building, that's when I'm with. No, you're building your faith around a geographical location. See, that's wrong thinking. That's, that's a false sense of your life being built around faith. And God, I'm telling you, He's going to challenge all of us to do. He's going to, listen, I'm going to challenge you to build your life around the faith. In every circumstance. In every situation. Because they're going to come. And then what you're going to do? You know, I call this pandemic life that we're in. And in this pandemic life, you know, we're going to have to build different aspects of our lives around our faith. Because you got a vaccine doesn't mean that it's clear. We still got to build our lives around the faith. Because, see, there are some things that we counted on before the pandemic that's not anymore. Certain way that you did things, you can't do it that way anymore. That's why, this, this is the main reason. It's something like, Pastor used to always tell me, Al, do not try to find no distance or place by no, uh, 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 what was once there. He's like, no, 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 no. You need to know the direction. Don't be talking about, well, it's over there by, so, uh-uh. You, you can't do that. We, we, we looking at different things. Oh, okay, well, you know, remember I used to do it that way. Well, you're not going to be able to do that that way anymore. You know, some of us, we like to travel. I know I do, but some of us, we like to travel. Guess what? You're not going to be able to travel the way you used to. You might have to carry a card more than just your passport. Something that you weren't used to doing. It's called pandemic life. Listen to me. So if we're going to get all upset about those things, how can I stay in fellowship with the saints in the pandemic? That's why some of you are falling apart now. 
The pandemic's choking the love of God out of you and you and you think you're in love with him. You're not centered around your faith. How do you stay connected to your church in a pandemic life? That's why many fall apart. That's why some won't be back. That's why others will come. Pandemic life. Nothing centered around the foundation of faith. How do you work your ministry in the pandemic life? I saw the deacons working in pandemic life. How do you main, manifest the love of God in the pandemic life? How do you do that? Listen, all of this started in March 2020. Listen, you're going to have to deal with what is. We done passed the March and now we're already in May and headed for June. Are we in May? Yes, we're in May. This time goes so fast, I don't know what what month we're in. Listen, we have to go beyond how you're going to get a mask, how you're going to get sanitized cleaners, and how you're going to get the wipe. You know, you have to stay rooted and grounded, settled and established. You look at too much news. I'm telling you, the news will drive your faith away from you. That's all you're looking at. See, you start some things, but you have to continue some things. Even though you don't have access to all the things that you used to have access to, you still got to do it. Now you ask God, God, I know what I needed to do and I know I can't do this anymore, but how can I make it work? I want to make it work. Why? Because I want to be, I I still, I have ministry to do, even in the pandemic. When I'm serious, I stay grounded and settled. I stay grounded and settled. See, all of that keeps you grounded. I stay grounded and settled. I make sure I stay in contact with other believers within my community to make sure everything is tight, make sure everything's right. Grounded and settled. Keeping our faith up. Encouraging one another. Always, always encouraging. Grounded and settled. And I'm serious, let us see. When I cannot be moved away from my hope. He said, don't be moved away from your hope, the hope of the gospel. You know, sometimes... Things moves us, move us away from the hope of the gospel. And some, you know why some things move us away from the hope of the gospel? is because we're looking for results. And when you don't see results, you get shaky. Oh, well. No, no, no don't let it move you away from the gospel. Your hope, get your hope up. Why? Because hope is in what you don't see. Not in what you see. Hope is in what you don't see, not in what you see. Don't be moved away. Now go with me to Second Timothy right quick. Second Timothy chapter 4. So how are we going to do this thing if we're going to be going to get serious? So right now you should know if you're serious or not. 
Just by some of the things that God says. Have you really been serious? Have you been, your mind been on everything but, but being serious? And let me tell you, don't wait to get older to get serious. Get serious right now, young people. We get, we're serious when we start to do what God said. We're serious when we continue in what God said. Number three, the last one. We're serious when I finish doing what God said. Remember, start, continue, and finish. Then you're serious. This whole deal, if this whole teaching today, if you're not doing any of these, none of the others you will do. None of the others will mean anything to you because you have to be serious. I'm serious when I finish doing what God said. Listen, plain and simple. If you don't finish what God said, you are not serious. Period. Yeah, I, I said that with a T on the end. If you have not finished what God said, you are not serious. Period. Don't be mad at me. If you want to be mad, be mad at God. But you know, people always need people to be mad at so they won't seem like they're mad at God. You can start some things. You can continue some things. But if you don't finish it, you're still not serious. You can start it. And even continue in it a little bit. But if you don't finish it, you were never serious. You were doing it for some reason other than being serious. You were doing it for our servants or you were doing it to make yourself look good or you were just doing it because you wanted something to do or you wanted to be seen or whatever. But if you don't finish it, you were never serious. Think about it. If you start a big puzzle... A big puzzle. I was doing a puzzle with my grandchildren. They were doing all the states. It is a big one, a big floor one. But just think about it. When you're doing a big puzzle on the floor, just, I mean, just, how many of you did big puzzle on the floor? Now, the first thing you usually do to put it all together, because you're starting. Everybody works on the borders. Because that's the easiest. Looking for the curves. Looking for the curves. And then they do that. And then they kind of start in the middle. Start putting something in the middle. And before you know it, they're gone. You wasn't serious about finishing that puzzle. Because, listen, now you got all the borders around and you got a little something in the middle. Now you're gone. You were not serious. If you were serious, you would have sat there till you figured that thing out. Because I'm going to get this puzzle down. Just an example. Just showing you how you can get started and you can continue. You're making the borders. You're doing the deal in the middle. But all of a sudden, that puzzle has been sitting on that floor for weeks now. I'm going to get back to it. You're not serious. Everybody say, you're not serious. You're not serious. I'm telling you, you're not. God said you're not. Three quarters of a puzzle done and you saying, I'm, you know, finish it. No. Everybody say, you're going to have to take things to excellence. 
Our pastor taught us that. Excellence. Listen, how do we finish? Because we can start and we can continue, but how do we finish? We finish through faithfulness. Faithfulness will get you to the finish line. And faithfulness faithfulness is simple. It just means to get up every day. I said it in earlier teaching. And be the best you can be. And do the best you can do. That's all faithfulness is. That's what it means to be faithful. To just get up every day. And to be the best, not just, 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 oh yeah, whatever today. No, be the best that you can be and do the best that you can do and keep pressing, just keep moving forward. That's faithful. Let me tell you something that's underestimated about faithfulness. See, faithfulness is not flashy. Faithfulness is not fancy, but what faithfulness is, is effective. See, it's not fancy. That's why people, they kind of underestimate it because see, it's not fancy. It's not going to show it off. It's, not, it's, it's none of that. But it's effective. It's effective. You know, the, one of the reasons that we highlight people that have stayed in their marriages long and we make a big deal and we say, oh, 40 years and everybody's clapping on this many years, everybody clapping, you know. And we're not doing this because a person have a perfect marriage. We're not even doing it because, you know, every day they're having a great day. It's not because they woke up every morning and their husband went to the drawer and got a rose out every morning and gave the person, the woman a rose or whatever and said, oh, you know, is, is this, that. No, no, no. We celebrate that because they stayed focused. Because that's what it takes in marriage. Because they stayed, they were able to stay focused no matter the challenge. Because you're going to have challenges. No matter the adversity, they stayed focused. No matter the situation, We celebrate the fact that they got up every morning and kept doing the best they could do. They got up every day just to be the best that they could be and do the best that they could do. That's what we celebrate. And let me tell you young adults something. See, I'm always trying to talk. I'm I'm always trying to help you, you young adults that think you know everything. Listen, know this. Nobody's impressed about what you can start. And because you can start something. Nobody's impressed with that. So don't get high-minded about yourself because you're continuing on, on something. That's nothing. Can you finish? That's what, that's what we're looking for. So I, I, I'm not impressed. Because you, I, I'm, I, when, when, when the next gen get up here and do their thing and they doing their deal, I'm not impressed with just everything they're saying because all of this is starting and continuing. I want to know, can you finish? Because anybody can talk. Anybody can read. 
off the laptop or whatever note they take. Anybody can do any of that. Can you finish? One thing I've learned is that many people start. Many people start. Some continue. But very few people finish. Many start. Some continue. But very, very few finish. Let's use marriage as an example. I like using marriage because we're talking about it so long. Why not just use it? Help sisters minister sensitive with a message. You add some of that in. Many people start. Just example of marriage. They start marriage before they get married. They start mixing and meeting and sleeping and cooking and laying and, you know, that's easy. That's an easy way to start. Everybody, and guess what? And, you know, during that time, everybody looks good. Everybody smells good. And you know what? And you're always sitting in them restaurants with them dim light and make you look even a little better. See, everybody starts there, even before they get married. Then you have the wedding. And at the wedding, you know, they're unrecognizable, both of them. You know, because it's a thing. You know, whoa, whoa. You know, everybody's, oh, they look so beautiful. Oh, nobody's like, uh. Neither one of them look like, oh, he look, I ain't never seen him look like that. It's a wedding. I'm talking about many people start. Anybody can start. My grandchildren can start. Anybody can start. Then you get some people, they continue. This is how they continue. See, they done started. Then they continue. They start having babies. And they celebrate that. They start having anniversaries. And they celebrate that. And everybody celebrate with them. Because it's, you know why? Because it's really exciting stuff. First time everything. First this. Yeah, first that. You get new stuff. It's exciting. At the time. People celebrate that. Woo, woo, woo. So people just celebrate you all the time. And then every couple of years, you know, you, you do something, something's happening, and there's a celebration. But listen, and listen close. I'm trying to help you. After a while, you run out of first. <laughs> after a while, you run out of first. And after a while... You have to stop having babies. See, you can't every time you get frustrated with your spouse, go get a baby. That's economically unadvisable. Okay, well, let's just get a baby. At some point, you have to 
See, after all of that, because see, all of that excitement stuff ain't going to work no more. Because there's no more first. Then you're going to have to come to a point that you just have to be married. Just married life for the rest of your life. Because, see, you're still looking for the excitement. It's old now. What What did I tell you? Didn't I tell you new don't last too long? I'm telling you again. New don't last new long. First don't uh, first is gonna go away too. It won't be no more first. You just have to be married for the rest of your life. Every day with the same person <laughs> until death do you part. And in the process, you cannot harm them. Have to throw that in. Challenges. <laughs> Every day, the same person. So see, what I found out is easy to get started. Because it's all first. I want a, I want a destination wedding. I want this, and I want the big gown. I want the big, I want the big, I want all. I want nine bridesmaids first. But always remember this: the wedding is not marriage; it's only a wedding. People act like the wedding is the marriage. I've only went to one wedding where the bride looked miserable. In my life, and I, 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 I wouldn't dare say nobody's name, but I, that's, I've only went to one, because most of the time they look just ecstatic, like this is marriage, until they get home, and after they've been, and then, and just think, if you've been married two, three, four, if you've been married up to five years, you ain't even been married yet. And if you got children within that five years, oh, you're running behind because you still ain't been married yet. And now you got another focus. Marriage is work. A lot of work. See, it's good. It's, it's, it's fun to get started. We got our own place. Yo, this first apartment. Okay. That'll get old. Then you have to. See, that's what I want you young people to think about before you start doing. This is for the rest of your life. Because guess what? I've decided in this ministry. I'm not letting nobody else in this ministry get a divorce. No. Mm -mm. You're going to stay with them. You ain't getting out of that. No, no. You're going to do. You're going you're, you're gonna to act like a believer. You got yourself into it, you gonna stay there. I'm gonna preach you into conviction to stay. And that's for anybody, old or new, those of you that's coming and joining. Yeah, I'm gonna make sure if you get married, you stay married. Easy to get started, it's harder to continue, but the key is can you finish?
The way you get to the will of God in your house is not starting, it's finishing. It's not starting, is the way you get the will done, in, uh, it's finishing. The way you get the will of God in your life is not starting, it's finishing. The way you get the will of the Lord in your family is not starting, it's finishing. The way to financial success is not starting to pay off your debt. It's finishing when you have investments. Mm. Listen, everybody can start. And some people can continue. But very, very few finish. And I want us to be a church of finishers. And we shall be. I want us to be a church that take things to, because our pastor laid that out, take things to the point of excellence. We can do that. We're establishing the will of God. Paul is our object lesson because Paul knew how to finish. So here Paul lays it out in Timothy 2 verses chapter 4 verse 6. He lays it out. He said, For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Now listen, one of the things I believe, I was reading this and I was laying in the bed and I was thinking about it. And I, and I began to write down, I said, you know what, one of the main things, the main things that, I, that, that, that I've noticed about this particular passage of Scripture, because this is a very familiar passage of Scripture for most people. When we read that, I think we read it too quickly. We read it without gravity. We read it, you know, I think without gravity, the gravity that it deserves. And I'm going to unpack that for you right here, right now, so you can look at it different now. When Paul said, I'm ready to be offered, and my time of my departure, departure is at hand, listen what Paul was not saying. He was not saying, I'm now a senior citizen. I've lived a long life. Now my body's breaking down and my age is here, but, but it's okay because I'm ready to go to heaven to be with my father. That's not what he was saying. Paul knew that he was about to die. He knew that his departure from this life was at hand. Because remember, Paul was crucified upside down. That's how he died. He knew things were coming to an end. Not because he was dying. See, we act like he was, he was saying it like he was dying. Not because he was dying of natural causes. At the, you know, just natural causes at the end of an old age. That's not how he was dying. Paul was staring a certain death. And he knew it. He was staring down a certain death in front of him. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, Paul was fine. He was healthy. He was not old. He wasn't done a bunch of work and now I'm about to die. No, he was staring an impending death. And in the midst of that, he said, I'm ready to be offered up. The time of my departure is at hand. 
Why? He said, because I fought a good fight. And I what? Finished my course. Finished my obstacles. I finished my course. He said, and I kept the faith throughout the whole course, throughout all the obstacles. Church, write it down. I'm serious, letter A, when I refuse to be discouraged. When I refuse to be discouraged. So, Sir Allen, you refuse to be discouraged. Twyla, you refuse to be discouraged. Brother Valentine, you refuse, you refuse to be discouraged. Paul refused to be discouraged. Even at the face of impending death. He was still. In the, let, let me tell you. They on their way to get the man. They ready to kill the man. This man is still pinning letters. He's still writing letters. Yeah, you, you know that's... Looking at impending death and he's writing a letter still to the churches. That became the foundation for the church and still today. The foundation of all the, all the churches all the way up until today. Repenting death right before him. What a man. Paul was in jail. He sang praises unto the Lord. And the prison walls shook. Most everybody else will be praying for you to get out. He just, just began praising God. And the whole prison wall shook. Paul got thrown out of the city. Stoned, stoned so hard, he was left for dead. And, see, you all, you, you know, I guess you all don't know all the different deals about stoning. Listen, when I say stoning, I'm not talking about no little rock. No little, no little rock that you could skip over the water. When you got stoned, you got stoned with big stones. They stoned him and he, they, well, they left him for dead. They walked away because anybody get hit with all of those rocks like that, big stones. See, that's why they don't say that was a rocking. They call it a stoning. Because it's a stone. After all of that, he was left for dead. They left him laying there because he's dead. Somebody can come bury him later. They walk off, go away. Guess what Paul does? Get up, dust his clothes off, and go to the next city and start preaching. Goes to the next city. Impending death. They thought they killed him. That Paul can play dead. Can't, just laid there out. And they just walked away. Stoned him. He's gone. Gets up. Dusts himself off. And goes to the next city. That's a man after my own heart right there. Paul refused to be discouraged. Sister Allen refused to be discouraged. Just refused it. 
I know, I know, I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through twice. I know what you're going, I know what everybody's going through. I know, I, I might not feel it, but I know. But refuse to be discouraged. Listen, church, in life, in this life, there's going to be some days, some moments, some times, some seasons that will be difficult for myself. Let me, I've had, I still have difficult seasons. I'm barely, see, see, people don't understand grief until you've, until you've lived it. I'm barely coming out of what they call a widow's fog. Barely. Difficult times. Difficult decisions. Frustrating decisions. And they, if you're not careful, it will cause you to momentarily be discouraged. You got to snatch it back. You got to study the word. You got to get into it. But if you're going to finish at some point, listen, you got to do like Paul. Stand up, dust yourself off, and keep doing what God says. Keep praising Him. Keep magnifying Him, no matter what. If I'm serious, let it be. I have, dedicate, I have to dedicate my life to finishing. Can you make your dedication like that? Dedicate my life. I'm dedicating my life to finishing. Listen, you know what? You college students, this is a great message for you college students. Everyone that's in college, going to college, I want you to know this. When I'm talking about dedicating your life to finishing. Every one of you that are in college, listen intently. I want you to listen up to this because this is imperative that I say this because, I, listen, I, I, I'm not playing with your life. I want something to come out. Listen to me. Every college student, the ones going, the ones in college, there is something beyond a degree. There's something beyond a degree that you're inspiring for. You, I mean, I know that you're inspiring for more than just getting a piece of paper. There's something beyond a degree that you are inspiring to. Are you with me? There's an education that you're inspiring to. We, we, we understand they're inspiring for, but listen... And in that education, this is what you're hoping for. You're hoping for one day that you open, that, that, that education will open up an opportunity for you. You're aspiring for that. It's something that's going to open up, that's going to, you know, uh, uh, alternately just lead you into the life that you desire. That's what you do when you're in college. You'll be like, okay, well, when I do this, and I'm going to do this, and that, and this is what I'm going to do in life. You know, just aspiring for that. But what I want you to understand is, this is all I want you to get out of that. A diploma is not finishing. A diploma is not finishing. Because some people, once they get that, they're finished. Not for the believer. 
Did I just did I did I say a diploma is not important? No, I did not say that. I said it's not finishing. Let me show you tell you what finishing is and write it down. Finishing is when that vision that you have in your head is the reality of your life that you live. Let me say it again. Finishing is when the vision that is in your head is the reality of your life that you're living in. You have dedicated yourself to finishing because that's... Listen, you have to dedicate yourself to finishing. Why? See, we're talking about finishing because, because, again, the diploma is not the finishing. You must dedicate yourself to finishing because that makes it bigger than a class. It makes it bigger than a class. It makes it bigger than a subject. It makes it bigger than a professor. See, when you, when, when, when you are uh, aspiring to finish, it makes it bigger than an institution. It makes it bigger than virtual learning. <laughs> it, it makes it bigger than virtual learning versus going in the class. It's bigger than that. So it doesn't matter. It makes it bigger than living in the dorm or living in my old childhood bedroom. Because why? Finishing is bigger than those little things. But see, if you just caught up, you, those things matter because you think, if I could just this, I'll finish here. No, no, no. That's not finishing. It's bigger than that. You have to dedicate yourself to finishing. Last but not least, when I'm serious, let us see. I work to finish. You have to work to finish. That means even if it's all, way, all the way up until my last day that it takes to finish, I will, I'm going to go all the way up to the last day. What God has started in me, I'm just going to keep going. Oh, it's just all the way up to the last day. At the last moment, I'm going to push all the way up. I'm going to work until the day is finished what God has started in me. Say, oh, God, you started something in me. I'm going to work until I, this thing is finished in me. Whatever's necessary, that means that every day I have to have a finisher's mindset. You've got to have it in the mindset. I have a finisher's mindset. I have to finish in that day the thing that are set and essential for me to do that day. I've got to get it done. What I need to do today, I got to get that done. Don't say, ah, oh, just wait till I No, no procrastination. No, why? Because I have a mindset to finish. My granddaughter came home and she had homework on the weekend. Sister Martin gave them enough for Friday and Saturday. And she said, you know, I'm going to do all of mine today so I can have all of my Saturday. I'm going to do all mine today. Well, of course, you know, we have the opposition. Isaiah said, I'm just doing one of mine. I'm going to do mine. I'm going to do one of mine Saturday. Just got to be in a, just got to oppose. And she said, okay. 
But I'm going to do all of mine today, madam, so I can just be free tomorrow and I can do it. And she got all her papers out and she she was just doing them and, and stuff. And Dada did his one paper. And so I, I just let him. And, and she she was getting through it. And he got up a little bit and he had a balloon that, that he had. He bounced that around. For the, and he saw Layla getting in and Layla said, and Madam, I, I won't have nothing to do tomorrow, right? I said, no, no. Dada said, I, just said, well, I think I'm going to go on and finish mine, too. See, you never know who you're gonna. You you never know who's you're gonna be influenced by. You influence somebody when you're a finisher. He said, I, "I'm gonna go and do mine too. I'm gonna go and do mine. I'll get on up there at the table and do it." But I wasn't gonna force him to do it. I wanted him to see it. And he was like, "Oh," and and they little no, I'm 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 doing mine. So when I get to the end of my course, I want to be able to say, and I want this church to be able to say, and I want every believer in this church to be able to say, I fought a good fight. And I finished the course. And more importantly, I kept the faith. I kept the faith. Why? Because I listened to all the lessons, and I grabbed what was mine out of it, and I'm owning it. I'm owning it. And I'm owning it for a purpose. I'm owning it. I'm not going to let it get away from me. I'm not going to let it get away from me. Are you understanding? God is faithful. God is faithful to this ministry. He's faithful to you. Get yourself grounded. Get yourself established. Get yourself settled. Get your marriages on point. Get your marriage, get everything, get your life on point. Do everything that you need to do to stay on point. Are you with me? Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank mm-hmm. you.